0: Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex River BTN. We're back, post Big Ten Championship game here on the Take 10 Podcast, where, as a lot of us expected headed in, we crowned Ohio State as Big Ten champions, sent them to the college football playoff as the number two seed. Uh, they'll be playing out in the Phoenix area around New Year's, December 28th. And uh, we've got Big Ten basketball Pretty much a week into conference play, nearly wrapping up their uh, two-game December stint that they've done the last few years. So a lot has been happening, and uh, we've talked quite a bit about it and everything going on currently during our last uh, several episodes. And this one's more of kind of a standalone episode. We do not have a check-in with our researcher, Harold Shelton, like we usually do. Uh, Did not rely on his services this week. He'll be back soon. But uh, this episode, like I said, is more standalone, and it's a interview with a very big personality in Big Ten history, especially in Big Ten network history. Um, it's Nebraska's Kenny Bell. Kenny Bell, if the name rings a bell, but maybe you can't place his face, was a Nebraska wide receiver from 2011 to 2014. He had the big afro, big hair, big smile, the big hit in the Big Ten championship game against uh, Wisconsin, where he kind of laid that defender out with the blindside block, and uh, had a lot of big plays to his name as well throughout his career at nebraska so fan favorite there rightfully so really cool guy to talk to he was doing big things in his post football career after having a uh, cup of coffee in professional football which he gets into here in the discussion and now uh, is a big time gamer big time twitch streamer and uh all around just a good guy and fun guy to talk to so Kenny chats with me for about 40 minutes or so, and that is the entire episode this week. It's a one-part episode, and we'll get right into it now. It's Nebraska wide receiver Kenny Bell, and that discussion starts right now. Very pleased to be joined by Kenny Bell. He's a former Nebraska star at wide receiver, special teams from 2010 to 2014, very popular player. and I'm sure is still a very popular dude in Lincoln to this day. Kenny, how's it going, man?
1: Alex, what the what the special team shout out? I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> you gotta show the special teamers love, man.
1: Man, a lot of people don't a lot of people don't recognize that, so I, I appreciate that. That's
0: love. Absolutely, and uh, you know, people outside Nebraska like myself who didn't go there, weren't Nebraska fans, probably remember you for the big plays. You know, the big hit against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. But they still can't place you by the name, it was always, for me, you know, it was the hair about you. That's what stood out. So, I got to ask, you know, four or five years later, you still got that hair? <laughs> yeah,
1: the, Yeah, absolutely. That is kind of, that's what I'm known for. And yeah, I definitely still have the Afro alive and well.
0: I was going to say, because, you know, your Twitter Twitter handle is uh, AfroThunder80, or Afro underscore Thunder80. You know, you've been big into Twitch lately as well. That's your, that's your gamer tag there as well. So... Using that as kind of a launching pad, I want you to get into your past since leaving Nebraska because uh, since you were a start receiver there, you've kind of become a, a gamer star, you know, a, a gamer and uh, as a retired football player. So take me through what happened in between.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, uh, so, yeah, obviously I've, I've had the fro forever, and that's kind of what it have people – or what has been my moniker, if you will, or what kind of staple – uh, so i built I, I spent some time built in a and fantastic network and platform in Nebraska because I got i mean there's some of the best fans in in college football there's absolutely no doubt about that so um went to play for the league in the league a couple years uh, I didn't really work out just couldn't i couldn't stay healthy man I, I was playing well I was on p squads you know they liked me but I just couldn't stay, stay at the right times and that's 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 killer in the NFL if you when you get hurt during training camp so um spent my time there actually spent some time in the alliance of american football league which was a lot of fun (laughs) i played uh i played out there with some former teammates and enjoyed that and then in the in the recent months after uh that that went under i I had always been interested to uh um, getting on twitch and leveraging my platform and my network just and building a phenomenal community on that platform just because um how that the community part of twitch has always been phenomenal uh and uh the charity and fundraising they do and just the altruistic positive kind of culture that they've built within Twitch is something that I've always been interested in and using that platform so that's what I'm diving into now so um, I've always enjoyed playing video games um, but more importantly I've always enjoyed interacting with people in my community so that's what I'm really selling um, with my Twitch is I enjoy people coming in interacting with me playing video games with me and that's 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 more of the path I'm on right now.
0: For sure, yeah. And I'm not a huge gamer myself, but I, I understand kind of the the basis of Twitch and, and like you said, it gets a, a gaming community involved. You can kind of stream yourself playing video games and and uh, play against others. So, what games are you playing on there? Kind of describe it as if somebody has uh, never heard of Twitch before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm what they call as a variety streamer. And if if you never if you've never been involved with Twitch before, Twitch is a is an online television network, if you will, where you go, um, to the website, you can tune into a certain, um, content providers channel, if you will. So if my, I'm a content provider, I'm a streamer. Um, if you go to my channel, you'll be able to watch when I'm live. That'll, so it'll be a live, a live camera feed of me. Um, my camera paces at me and I play video games. Um, and then on, you can also interact with me via, Messages, so I see your messages live as they come in while I play video games. So it's a it's a live chat. It's interactive, and that's how I treat it. Um, so, but back to what I what I stream is I stream whatever my community wants me to stream. So I have over well over uh, 200 video games in my library. So I um, I stream with my community constantly. So a lot of people, a lot of guys, will make their community by streaming a certain game and getting very good at that. I build my community by building or by playing multiple games with a number, uh, numerous um, people. That's what I, that's kind of what I've enjoyed. Just the more social aspect of it. I do get pretty competitive, but I try and keep it pretty light and fun um,
0: for the community. Yeah, have you always been big into video games? Because for me, I was really into it at a younger age, and I, I even through college, I played a little bit, but I just wasn't good enough to like really have fun playing because I'd always get beat like at 2K or, yeah. <laughs> or uh, Modern Warfare or whatever it was so were you just kind of better than most people at video games growing up or, or you just kind of got better as you <laughs> I, got along
1: I've, gotten, I've just gotten better progressively as I've gotten older just as you get older you kind of just games are similar and you get you kind of just get the knack for them um, I wouldn't say like I'm a top tier gamer I'm a you know I would never claim something like that I think I'm a little bit above average I just enjoy um, my my channel's a little bit unique, given my background with you know professional football and the player I was in Nebraska, and then I'm also, I mean, I'm more than willing and very happy to interact with community and other gamers and you know just have fun.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you know being involved uh, with charitable causes and, and how that can kind of interact and uh, interweave with Twitch, and I know you've also been very involved with the Team Jack Foundation, which is familiar to every uh, Nebraska fan listening. So can you kind of discuss? Why and how you've uh, been able to serve the community, and how you've been able to kind of weave your activities and and hobbies in with uh, those efforts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, for those that are familiar with Team Jack, um, they know that, I mean, and those aren't there, or those who aren't, it's a pediatric brain cancer foundation um, dedicated to new and improved research for um, pediatric brain cancer patients just because it's less than 3% of uh, cancer found or funds. Uh, in America go to pediatric brain cancer. So over the past, since the, I mean, I think it's 2013, so six years, almost $8 million has been raised by, raised by the foundation and we have seen direct um, medicines and treatments be, uh, because of that. So I take a, an incredible amount of pride being a part of that foundation. I'm the chairman of the alumni section of that. So I'm in charge of raising money and awareness through uh, um, our alumni status and platform. Uh, for pediatric brain cancer. So Twitch has always been a phenomenal um, platform for charitable causes such as this. So I kind of just took it upon myself to bring a new platform for Team Jack and I put together a charity stream with myself, Jeremiah Searles and Tommy Armstrong, as well as talking to the executives at Team Jack and kind of just explaining to them what Twitch was and how the charity stream would work. And I did a 24-hour charity stream just last week with, uh, or two weeks ago, with those two guys. And we raised um, over $5,700 for the foundation in just our first stream. So I'm I'm really proud of that. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm excited about the money we raised. But not only that, I'm excited to bring them a new platform to do it again uh, in the coming months.
0: Yeah, it's awesome stuff. So if fans listening want to be involved and they do happen to be gamers, they can follow you on Twitch. And you'll be doing that again, I assume, at some point?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be our next one. We'll probably do just before the Team Jack Gala, which will be in February, um, and see if we can raise some more money um, prior to that gala, where um, you know we have that big event in Lincoln for the foundation, which is which is always quite an evening.
0: Awesome, awesome, really good stuff. So I'm going to switch gears to your football career now. You know, a little less important in the grand scheme of things, but uh, definitely relevant to you. And, and I want to start actually. From the end of it, um, you kind of mentioned your cup of coffee in the NFL and your experience in the Alliance League. Uh, Let's just start in the NFL. I know you you mentioned how injuries really hampered you. You know, you bounced around practice squads. What cities were you in, and what was your overall experience like despite kind of having those injuries? What did you learn?
1: Yeah, I got got drafted by Tampa Bay in 2015. I spent my first year and a half there because I got IR'd for, like, a minor hamstring injury. Um, they kind of put me on IR to um, redshirt me, if you will. I got the old NFL redshirt year. <laughs> um, so I was in the building every day, going to meetings, drawing up um, um, pregame reviews and stuff for our and <laughs> quarterbacks. I loved my time in Tampa because, I, I mean, Jameis Winston became one of my closest friends. I got Mike Evans. You know, I still keep in touch with those guys. So I love the guys down in Tampa. Um, my, my head coach got fired um, after my rookie year. And I, I just didn't have a chance to make that team really. Is that Lovey? Back, yeah, Lovey. Yeah. So I, Lovey ended up at Illinois. Right. I love Lovey. I, every time I'm up there in town, I come to the Illinois game because, you know, I got a, love, a lot of love for Lovey. Um, after that, uh, Tampa fired me and I got picked up the, on Baltimore's P-Squad for the pretty much the entire 2016 season, and they liked me a lot. They had me sign my futures contract there. 2017, I came back poised to make the Ravens roster, and I tore my hamstring. Um, after that, they brought they told they asked me to stay in Baltimore because they I mean they were going to sign me back once I was healthy. Eight weeks later, when I was healthy again, they signed me back and kept me on their peace squad to the end of the year. They asked me to sign my uh, futures contract in Baltimore, but I was upset with them because they hadn't activated me you know, to give me a shot to play. So I went and signed my futures contract with Denver. I came home to Denver in 2018. I yanked that same scar tissue hamstring (laughs) in training camp. And that kind of spelled the end of my days in the NFL, and I knew that. It was year three, and I had chronic hamstring issues. So I turned my eyes to the AAF just to kind of have some fun playing football again. The stresses of the NFL just... Kind of got to me I was down You know I wanted to enjoy Playing football again So I went and played In that Alliance League And, I, and that's exactly what I did I enjoyed playing football again um, Got my last little bit Of football in And now I'm looking For a new horizons
0: So what was like The organizational structure Like in the AAF Compared to The NFL It sounds like it was A uh, you know, more stress-free experience From a uh, oh, man, Playing perspective so Yeah but like Just the Being a new league And everything What was different What was similar Just uh, walk me through that
1: Um there, there weren't much, there weren't much similarities. Just because they, I mean, they tried to do the same kind of practice scheduling and that stuff, but just the competitive—you can't ever match the competitive edge of the NFL. Just because it's, I mean, it's the best in the world, and you have to—I mean, if you're not great every single day, you're going to get fired, and that just—it's it, hard to replicate that environment, you know. So um, that it was much different in that regard, and it was just younger. It was younger guys. It was all. It was all guys for the most part. I'd say 70, probably 80% of the league was guys that were for one or two years out of college that, you know, had just gotten cut from their first NFL roster. So, I mean, there weren't very many veteran guys, so that just, that changes the entire culture as well. So, um, but it made it more fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so like what...
1: It made it way more enjoyable, I'd say.
0: So where were you, what city, and then how did the kind of shutdown affect you personally and did you see it coming at all
1: uh, so we i was in salt lake city i was playing for the stallions uh yeah, no i didn't see that there were there had been rumors of it but they had just that right now they're just rumors don't worry about it i had uh there's kind of writings on the wall about it like it, hindsight's 2020 20, right i could definitely say oh yeah i could see it now but at the time no i had, I had no idea now th- thankful for me um i wasn't there expecting you know that to be my ticket back to the nfl or i wasn't you know i was going down there to play some football have some fun and then hang them up and move on so when it went under i had, you know i had saved my money from that little league and then i was you know i i had, I had turned to twitch and uh, a new platform uh so for me personally it wasn't a, a real brutal transition or anything like that uh I, w- I was really thankful for my time and the people i got to spend it with there and uh yeah I was, I, I was ready to move
0: on yeah some of the horror stories that came out of the league shutting down yeah. you know guys getting screwed out of money yeah, and it made it excited. seem it made yeah. it seem I think more unorganized than the league actually looked in its you know inception because watching on TV it seemed legit and obviously you know there's real talent on uh, on those rosters so did you yeah, hear any of those cool. stories
1: yeah there was good there was good players and honestly there was great people that, that were genuinely trying to do a good job that I'm, I'm not complaining about coaches staff I love my stallion staff my GM was great. My head coach was fantastic, um, so I've got no, I've got absolutely no complaints about that. It was tough, you know, they didn't have any money, like, they, right. <laughs> so, they uh, when it shut down, they are like, you guys can stay here, but you have to pay for your own room, you know, or you have to get a hotel tomorrow, or, you know, drive out, you know, but that, I, I wasn't going to hold that against my general manager, who, 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 I didn't think he was trying to, I didn't think there was any malintent behind ex- the executive level, I think.
0: Right, and everyone you know, was kind of you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Everyone was trying to do the best the they coaches,
1: could. Yeah, the coaches and the GMs were and the players were genuinely trying to put on, you know, uh, a good show and do their job and I think I think at the highest level the money got mixed up and that's that's not a, that wasn't something that I could be real too upset about. Right. So, I definitely wasn't expecting a lawsuit or <laughs> you know, I wasn't it was just over that in my mind, you know.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and and with that all being said, you know, the XFL is starting up. It sounds like you got your last fill of football and are moving on, but is that something you would ever look towards uh, going forward here?
1: No, you know, I I was contacted by the XFL, by their commissioners, and uh, a few of their GMs during that draft period, and I was just like, hey guys, I really, I got on the phone with everybody that called and expressed my gratitude, because I really am thankful for anybody that would consider me to come play, but you know, it's just, my uh, my
0: playing days are over. I got you. And I want to circle back real quick to uh, Lovey Smith real quick because I didn't realize that you played while yeah. he coached there. Uh, Lovey. I know. Lovey. Well, I'm an Illinois grad, so, you know, I've kind of been oh, locked into right? the whole Lovey stuff. Yeah, I was at school there when he got hired. Oh, and, okay. uh, you know, I've been at BTN in the last few years since. And nice. this year it all kind of paid off, you know, to a degree. They made a bowl game and, and things are yeah, looking up there. Game. So are you –
1: big win over Wisconsin too
0: yeah absolutely so are yeah. you you know are you surprised at all with uh, no. that job or you do you think it, it's uh, gonna continue in the right direction there
1: I, b- I believe in I believe in lovey um, I believe in <laughs> I believe in his mantra I believe in the message he teaches his young man I believe in the coaching uh, his experience and um, I, I, I believe in him like I just said I think he's have it, he's gonna have it in the right direction but not, not to be disrespectful I think it's the same thing that my school is going through it's going to be tough to recruit in this day and age to Champaign. It's going to be tough to recruit to Lincoln. Uh, so I, I I want nothing but the best for him, and I 100% believe in him. But there's a lot that goes into college football
0: that <laughs> I think people, their expectations can be very brutal sometimes. For sure, and, and a big part of it, obviously, is facilities. And, and Illinois can't yeah. really be beat out by anybody at this point now that they have a new facility. It took a couple of years uh, into Lovey's t- tenure to get that up and running but kind of all the pieces are there at this point um so we'll I see agree. see where it goes yeah
1: it's, it's i mean it's an exciting time for him i'm i'm happy for him uh and i yeah uh, trust me I'm, I'm tuning in to watch the line
0: <laughs> sounds good uh real quick before we talk about your time in nebraska and uh what's going on there right now with scott frost just want to check in you said you're in uh denver area right now right
1: yeah, well I'm actually right right now I'm in LA. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm here for the gaming awards. I'm being presented as a new influencer for Western Digital Media. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah, they're a they're a sponsor for the uh, gaming awards. So yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. But you're uh you're like based out of Denver now living there?
1: Yes, yes sir.
0: Denver's awesome, man. Like I went there for the first time this past summer. Uh I, I, you grew up there and it looks like a fun place to grow up and just a fun place to spend your, you know, late 20s.
1: Oh yeah. So I grew up in I grew up in Boulder, so it was way it was a way different time in Boulder when I was growing up. But yeah, coming coming home to Denver now with how much it's developed over the past ten years, yeah, it's I mean it, it doesn't get better for anybody from like twenty four to thirty two as far
0: as the city. Absolutely. And and you mentioned growing up in Boulder. It's interesting now because the last couple of years, uh Nebraska's kinda of gone back playing Colorado like the old days and, and just growing up there as a uh, Star. It looks like in every sport. I mean, here at listed you were a track star, hoop star, football star. Obviously, first off, what's it like to just kind of be awesome at everything in high school and kind of dominate?
1: <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, but I honestly wasn't even the best athlete at my high school. So, I uh, appreciate you saying that. Uh, I did. I did. They, they showed me some love uh, with with my awards and stuff. But it was. It, I well, lucky for me, I grew up with with some phenomenal athletes as well.
0: So, what was the pull to uh, Nebraska then? Being from Boulder, when you got a you know Pac twelve school right in your backyard.
1: You know, well, at the time they were Big twelve uh, then, right? They were they, yeah. At the time, both Nebraska and CU were Big
0: twelve yep. schools. Yep.
1: Um, and Coach Frost was actually recruiting me to go to Oregon in the Pac ten, and it really was I wanted somewhere that was close to home. I needed a coaching staff that could take me somewhere I couldn't take myself, and Bo Pelini and that staff definitely did that. And then I needed a place that I, I had never seen anywhere like Nebraska where football was just everything. I was from Boulder, Colorado, you know, people don't really love football like that. <laughs> so when I went to Nebraska and I saw them, they, I saw them play Kansas state at a night game in it, um, you nine and it was just incredible. I was there with actually my, uh, recruiting trip was with Levante David. <laughs> so it was, a. Uh, it was quite the experience, and it was it was pretty much it from there. I, I didn't want to go anywhere else.
0: Yeah, I've talked to a lot of Nebraska guys, and uh, had a bunch on this podcast, and just talked to them outside of it, and like that's kind of the that story always kind of repeats itself, where they went in that first visit and kind of blown away. So yeah. definitely understand that. Obviously, like you mentioned, the conference realignment kind of hit as you were a student athlete at Nebraska with uh, Colorado hopping over to the Pac-12, Nebraska making the move to the Big Ten. Is that something that you were told about or even cared about as a as a high schooler and as a freshman at Nebraska? Or is that something that's kind of out of your control and out of your mind?
1: Yeah, that was way out of my control, and I was devastated because we had just finished our season. We had played Colorado at home, and my and I got redshirted. So I was really excited. My redshirt freshman year, I was going to get to go play in Boulder. Um, and so I was I, – in my mind, I couldn't – I was really excited. And then the announcement came down. I can remember, like, it was yesterday when uh, – when Coach Osborne came and told us that we were making the move to the Big Ten, I was I was real sad. <laughs> Hindsight, it's a much better conference, I think, for the uh, for Nebraska, especially especially with the, with Texas, what they were doing with the Longhorn Network. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm I was very happy with the move, but I did miss not getting to play in Boulder.
0: Right. So you were in the Big Ten for all of your playing years, right? 2011 yeah, and, on,
1: yeah, because 2011 was our inaugural season. We played our, our inaugural game. We played Russell Wilson, at, at Camp Randall for College Game
0: Day. Yeah, welcome to the Big Ten. <laughs> Who are you telling? <laughs> My God. So you know that might not be a, a top memory that sticks out to you, at least on the uh, the positive side of things. But what are some what are some memories that stick out? You know, when you look back and and reflect, like four years in Nebraska. I'm sure there's a ton of things, but uh, you know, when you look back at those moments and kind of the connections of the community you mentioned. What stands out to you? Yeah, I
1: mean, if I were going to pick one moment in my Husker career that is my absolute favorite, it'd be the Team Jack spring break, uh, or spring break, <laughs> the spring ball um, run, when Jack Hoffman had that um, touchdown run. And that kind of really had launched our – we had all known Jack. He had been at practice and hung out with us prior. But that really launched where we are now with the, with the foundation because, I mean, that, went, that turned into Jack winning an SB – that following uh, year or that following season and it, just where we've grown together as a community with the foundation, that would that would be the moment i definitely pick as a Husker as my favorite.
0: Yeah, that stuff never gets old. We still show it all the time on, on Big Ten Network. And I think it really inspired a lot of schools to do similar things with, with their super fans that exactly. might have fallen on hard times. Like It's a, it's kind of a spring game staple now.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, yeah, it, I, I don't want to say we were just absolutely the first. I don't remember if anyone had done it prior because I'm sure people had done similar things but that was the first one in my memory where you know it really became uh significant and I was lucky enough to be a part of going to the ESPYs with Jack and uh I've been being named the alumni chapter uh or the alumni chapter chairman for the foundation so I've been incredibly thankful and in, uh building that community and those relationships in, in in and around Nebraska.
0: Yeah for sure I mean it's one thing I, I think uh I definitely try not to take for granted, with all the charitable work that the schools do and and the attention they bring. I mean, Nebraska obviously is one of the leaders in that regard. I think Wisconsin has done a great job, just uh, you know across the board. They they have a big charitable arm there. Iowa, with their wave to the the children in the hospital, oh, yeah, has been has been amazing. To, yeah, the wave is great. Yeah, and then the, the Tyler Trent circumstances last year at Purdue. Um, yep. You know, unfortunately, he's not with us any longer. But yeah, the attention but they brought, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's something we shouldn't take for granted, for sure. I think the Big Ten kind of leads um, in, you know, giving these, especially kids, kind of the attention that that they deserve. So. Well, I think I think the Big
1: Ten has it across the board. I mean, it's not just particular um, to any one school. I think we have a very unique fan bases in general. So. It, it's always I, I take a lot of pride in playing in Nebraska, and I take a lot of pride in the fact that Nebraska is a part of the Big Ten network.
0: Absolutely, Ten yeah, absolutely. And um, I brought this up earlier. Shifting gears a little more, but I brought it up earlier. Uh, your your maybe most uh, iconic highlight outside of Nebraska is the blindside block in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, where you just absolutely you know lower the boom on a on an unsuspecting wisconsin badger um you know it was clean it wasn't a penalized it was a clean hit in the game uh, i watched it before i hopped on the phone with you and it still you know gives me like the the, the every time i watch it it was a great hit but it's one that's kind of been legislated out of the game so how do you feel about that rule being implemented and have you kind of been attributed the uh the original kind of og reasoning for uh that rule coming about
1: yeah you know it's tough well it was tough because we did get penalized I got they called it back then they didn't have like they didn't have the um, blindside block or anything like that right. so they called it they called me for unnecessary
0: roughness oh they did I didn't even realize that
1: yeah they called they called that touchdown back and they called me they, they called it unnecessary roughness and I, you'll see me in, like in some of the videos I waved the ref over and he asked me I asked him what I did and he, he told me I hit him too hard that was the only explanation I got he said you hit him too hard you can't hit him like that <laughs> And I like, I put my arms up and I would say, we're playing football. Cause at that time we didn't, we didn't have a rule about no crackbacks. Right. Like and that.
0: football was not like it is now where the, the, the yeah. hits were not being legislated out quite like they are now.
1: Yeah. So I, so I, I hit, I mean, I hit him with my shoulder. I didn't, I didn't hit him with the crown of my helmet or anything like that. I just caught him clean off balance in his chest. But yeah, they, the next, the very following year is, that's when we had that crackback block. So it was in, it was in 2013 that in college football, they, had, they announced that, um, crackback block and I don't want to say it was directly because of me and that hit but I think I think it did I think it did uh, <laughs> make them notice a little bit more
0: yeah just in general I always am interested to hear what football players think about the shift of the game um, you know obviously it's great I think everyone can agree it's great that it is safer um, but for example I think something like the targeting rule and then now how the blindside block rule has been applied in the NFL tends to go too far and it kind of goes into the waters of of removing some of the soul of the game. Like I've seen blocks and hits that are completely clean and legal that get called and and the the rules apply totally inconsistently. So how how do you feel?
1: I think, well, well, one, I think it's important. Most importantly, I think it's important that we want to keep guys safe. But there's a, it's a fine line, right? Because I, I played the game and I know exactly what I signed up for. I didn't expect to not get blasted if I was going across the middle. (laughs) You know, that, that kind of just came with the territory. But more importantly, there's ways to play the game safe. That, but we're putting the game in the referees' hands, and that's, it's never gonna, it's just not gonna go well. No one, I don't think anyone's gonna enjoy that. So I can see why, I see why there's such a. Influx in referee, like complaining about refereeing. It's because the game is being put on the referees because of these penalties. So it's it's a it's really tough. We want to be safe, but at the same time, the athletes definitely know what they're signing up for, and the athletes know how to play the game the right way too. So uh, it's it's all such it's all there's no right or wrong answer. It's a ton of gray area. But I would like to see some of these rules roll back a touch, or um, yeah, I I mean just because the refereeing is brutal right now and 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 it's not it's not to say that they're uh, i'm not coming at the referees or anything i just think it's the
0: game has put too much in their hands exactly yeah football such a tough game to call there's so many rules and like you said i think i think that being asked to do too much with something like the targeting rule in my opinion goes a little too far with the actual penalty that that is uh enforced because a ejection for one hit, where a guy might have lowered his head, I've always kind of believed is too harsh and is applied yeah. inconsistently. And I think to, I think to, maybe if it's game like game right, adjustable. it changes the game. It could and, and it changes a guy's career potentially if you, they have to sit out the first half of the next game or or what have you. So, yep. um, you know, I, I think kind of like how basketball has imp- implemented this uh, flopping rule this year, where the first time you get oh, a warning. Yeah. You know, maybe if it's first time, fifteen Something yard penalty. Like fifth, you know, second time, then you're ejected. I think that would be a little more fair.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen some flops, but um, but the, there's a kid from Iowa. Like I've seen flops in Iowa. Like there was a kid, I think Johnny Adams from uh from Michigan State. I was blocking him, and he like jumped over and like tried to flop. But there was a kid from Iowa that uh, straight up grabbed his helmet and like his head and like rolled on the ground <laughs> like he got hit in the head and that was the first i'd seen football
0: <laughs> and then he was, was fine that, after that
1: yeah that was a first like he was it was at the it was towards the end of our game against iowa but i had never seen like someone pretend like their head was really injured before and i was like I, if, if that's the road we're going down then we have serious problems and that's a that's a player issue that, you know right
0: they
1: know you you know you can you know you can get calls like that that's going to be a problem so we'll i mean we'll have to watch for that but we'll see
0: right <laughs> we it's, fi- see. it's fine line but at the end of the day i still love football uh still gonna watch and uh like oh, you said yeah, we'll see gonna,
1: yeah we're gonna watch football right like the, the people that are like oh you know the game is ruined i can't watch it anymore it's like all right well i'm sorry you're <laughs> i'm sorry you're that upset about it it's, it shouldn't be that serious
0: it's the the, 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 the quality the content of the game is still quality so 100% agree. Um, yeah. you want to talk a little bit more uh, into the weeds about Nebraska football, and we'll start with since we're two coaches removed now from the guy who recruited you. I think you know we can kind of reflect on this topic with clear eyes. What did you think at the time about the decision to move on from Bo Pelini, and, and how did you handle it personally?
1: Uh, I handled Bo getting fired pretty rough, just because I thought it was done very ill, Ill with ill intent. Uh, there was a lot going on between our third and second floor that just didn't feel right between our football and our executive offices. Um, and it just didn't feel like a family. It felt more much more us versus them. The second I-Course came in to I mean it I mean it felt like they brought him in to fire bow and that kind of how it transpired. Not only that, I mean we, we beat Iowa, which we thought was a huge win at Iowa to, to move us to I think nine and nine and three again um and then they fired Bo the next morning and didn't I mean they they we woke up to an email uh Saturday morning they fired him and it was like 6 45 in the morning saying that we had a meeting in like an hour and Bo was gone and that was I never saw Bo again <laughs> so it was it was tough for me I, I didn't appreciate that because I loved I loved my head man and I uh, I knew how much he cared about us I knew how much he cared about my teammates so that that was tough um hindsight right as I've gotten older um Bo probably wasn't the best fit for Nebraska during that time um I'm not I'm not naive to say that he was all-knowing and you know (laughs) all-righteous he definitely he definitely didn't help himself out with certain situations and uh, there's there's no doubt in my mind about that um but I just wish I I do wish that would have transpired differently that's That's for sure,
0: right. and like I can't pretend to know the the politics of you know the Nebraska fan base and and everything that goes into hiring and firing a head coach, but I've always been somebody you know who's observed a lot of uh, hirings and firings in the last decade or so at my alma mater, Illinois, that believes that you know just because the next guy doesn't work out. Um, Pat Riley would be that guy who, or not Pat Riley, Mike Riley would be the guy who doesn't work yeah. out. Uh, that doesn't mean the decision to move on necessarily was wrong. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think Nebraska fans are like some people insinuate that Nebraska fans are, you know, unrealistic or spoiled for feeling like they plateaued under Bo. I don't think that's, I don't think that's wrong to to want to improve. Like if they reach the heights that many believe they will under Scott Frost, it'll all have kind of worked out in the long run. So what do you think uh, the move to Scott Frost? Will or how, how do you think this will bear out in the long run? What have you seen so far? And, um, right. just what, what's your out what's your observation as an alum and former player? Well,
1: let me let me answer that in two parts, right? So, the first part being, um, the plateauing over bow and you know, maybe moving on from an, a certain coach isn't so a coach that doesn't do as well that doesn't make that decision, you know, necessarily a poor one. but I, so I so I know what you're trying to say there. I, I would. I would caution a lot of fans to, just because, like, look at um, a perfect example is Michigan, right? Michigan is on the on the cusp of being what they're they're probably top fifteen team every single year, but Michigan fans want to be in that Final Four. They want to compete for national championships. That kind of that kind of elite football that year in and year out is, I mean, for some universities, is just not a realistic. Not realistic. Um, I don't want to say goal because you always you want to compete for championships. Everyone should, but there's. I mean, the world we live in just doesn't work like that. You know, there's definitely going to be good teams every single every single year that pop up, and there's going to be. But the powerhouses are going to be the powerhouses. That's where the money. That's where the recruits. That's where the coaching is at. So I think it's it's tough for fans. I'm not saying to just think you're going to be terrible every year, but I think to have reasonable expectations is something that we all need to strive for a little bit.
0: I agree. It's so, a fine line for sure. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So it's a, so it's a very fine line, um, between, uh, like contentment and, um, r- reality, I guess. You know what I mean?
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and yeah. like you said, it, it's a balancing act. Um, you know, you never know, it's tough to tell when those reala- when those expectations teeter into becoming unrealistic. Um, exactly. But again, My I also under- I understand the sentiment of not getting complacent as well.
1: Right. I mean, like look at look at Alabama. Right. Like, Alabama is a phenomenal football school, and there's people that want Nick Saban fired right now. So what is it? What is <laughs> like, what is what is the expectation?
0: It's he crazy how those, that perspective can change too, with just a little success. It,
1: it is, isn't it funny how how fast it can change? So I think it, it, it's just the world we live in with with sport, you know. Um, but back to but so to answer the second part of the question with Coach Frost, I love Coach Frost. I believe like just like I believe in Lovey and um, his staff. I love Coach Frost, and I I genuinely believe that Nebraska and Co- and Mr. Moose and they have the right guys in in the right positions. It's just gonna take time, you know. Two years into rebuilding is not, especially in a conference like the Big Ten. It's gonna take time, and he's coming from he's he's coming from different conferences where Big Ten football is tough. You know, the stuff in Oregon and UCF might not work quite the same in the Big Ten when you got Iowa, Wisconsin, um, and those teams, Ohio State, running the football at your neck. You know, so it's <laughs> it's gonna be some time. There's gonna be adjusting. There's gonna be adjustments. There's gonna be a learning curve. With him and his staff, and with his players, but I, I genuinely do believe that they have the right guys in, in, in place.
0: All right, last question, Kenny. As a former Nebraska football player, I feel like you. I feel like, like Nebraska is kind of unique in the sense that their uh, I don't know how to put this, but like their their ring of honor, like once you've graduated, still remains close, right? Like they keep their alums close. You guys can always go back and feel at home and and I feel like all the alums for the most part stay really connected to the program so how are you you know kind of consuming the program from afar are you watching every game how are you staying connected outside of the the team jack stuff um that you already mentioned
1: well uh, yeah the alumni are always very close especially the guys that I've played with from from like 08 to 16 I mean there's we're, we're a tight-knit group. We see each other every time we're back. We're constantly talking. I mean, I got a group of eight guys that I played with in school that we talk every single day. You know, my, myself, uh, Quincy Anunua, Amir Abdullah, Toby Okiemi, Josh Mitchell, Nate Gary, Will Compton, and Tariq Allen. We have a we have a group chat that we talk literally every single day. So uh, we've remained very, very close. We always talk about the games. We're always watching it. Um, but we remain optimistic. You know, we we're not going to get on for the most part, most of the alumni guys, most of the guys that I'm closest with, we're not going to get on and talk about how the sky is falling on the program or anything like that. We're going to remain positive because um, I think it, that matters. You know, the alumni, you know, what, what what we say and how we act, it it holds some weight with the Nebraska fans. So I try not to pop off at the mouth too much about anything <laughs> too personal. You know, I'm, I'm here to support those guys, the coaches and staff um and the kids. So I wanna see what I care about is seeing them have success, not necessarily being on Twitter criticizing what's going on, you know.
0: Absolutely. And and I think uh, the point stands that that program and those fans will support you and, and the kind of shows and you know your your charitable work and, and they'll follow you whether it be on Twitch or on Twitter or anything you do in your your post career pursuits. So um best of luck in all that. I appreciate you coming on, giving me Nearly forty good minutes here of uh, conversation, and once again, uh, we'll follow you and continue to follow you in your your post football career.
1: Hey, brother, I appreciate you guys having me. It really means a lot. And I, uh, I've always, obviously, I've always been a fan of the Big Ten uh, Network.
0: I think you guys are great. So again, I appreciate you having me. For sure. All right. Thanks once again to Kenny for joining me. Really appreciate his time. A lot of fun chatting with him. Uh, really good dude, like I like I alluded to, at the top of the show. Fun to talk to. Probably could have gone for another 40 minutes or so if we uh, if we had the time. But um, it's fun catching up with him and hearing about not only his football life and his time in Nebraska, but also about his charitable causes and uh, efforts that he's put in in the Team Jack Foundation and uh, how he's kind of interwoven that with his and his interests on Twitch. So, really good stuff. Uh, always love talking to guys from Nebraska. Uh, that program has turned out a lot of not only good football players, but good human beings as well. Kenny Bell definitely falls into both of those categories, and uh, appreciate his time. Like I said at the top, we do not have a chat with our researcher, Harold Shelton, usually during basketball and football season. We... Have him on to talk in depth, of Big Ten football and basketball. But uh, it's his birthday today, actually, so happy birthday, Harold! And uh, he's taking a much deserved break. I don't think it is the day off necessarily, but well deserved break. And uh, you know, he kind of has been talking about getting to this time in the calendar when he gets past the Big Ten football championship, and gets to take a breath a little bit. That is very well deserved one of the hardest working dudes at BTN. So. Back with Harold soon. Uh, happy birthday to him once again. We'll get back with the audience soon, uh, likely next week, a pre Christmas, pre holiday version of the Take 10 podcast as we come up on 2020 here. And um, until then, just want to give a shout out, obviously, to everyone for listening, to my producers, Wes White and Julie Bronder, for producing the show as always. And one final reminder if you've not Done so already? To please subscribe to the take Ten Podcast on podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean, and we're also on YouTube in the Big Ten Network YouTube channels. Play this as well. So check us out on all those platforms. Like or leave a review or a rating if you like the show. If you don't, keep it to yourself, and uh, we'll keep it moving. All right. Once again, appreciate everyone. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Take 10 Podcast.